chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. And does anyone need an outline tonight? If you need a copy of the outline, if you slip your hand up. And Alfredo, you want to help me get those this evening from the back? You put them out, right, Joe? With the, huh? Sound guy, they don't pay attention to anything, huh? And so, Joe, I love you. I think one of my favorite things about having Brother Young here was when he made fun of you. I just love that. He joined in with me. I thought that was great. The sound guy is always one of the people that need to get picked on in the church. It's just the way God designed it. It helps keep them humble and all of that. Romans chapter number 4, and we're going to dive in. And uh, we probably sang a little bit longer than what we should have tonight. But man, those are some good songs, and I'm thankful for those songs. The book of Romans, it's been three weeks since we've been on the, in the book of Romans. What a rich, powerful book. I have a pastor friend that pastors here in town. Call him Pastor Mike. Pastors Valley Christian Church. We got together for coffee a week ago, or this last week. And it was interesting. He's preaching on Sunday mornings through the book of Romans, and I'm preaching through it on Sunday nights. He's a few verses behind me. But we both talked about, you go from chapter 1, and Paul says he's ready to preach the gospel, and then he lays out, Instead of getting into all the good stuff about the gospel, he says, okay, there's a problem. There's sinners. They list all this sin. You reject God, there's all this sin. Then those of you, well, I don't do that sin. Well, you're a hypocrite because your heart still isn't right. And a hypocrite will still go to hell as well. And then he goes on to say, those of you that are religious, you can be religious and not have Christ, and you'll go to hell as well. And then he breaks it down and closes out. In chapter number 3, he lets us all know there's none righteous, no, not one. But in chapter number 3, the end of chapter number 3, there are things that are mentioned there that are the first time they're mentioned in Paul's epistles. Like the word propitiation. I don't need you to hear me. Thank you, Surrey. I don't need you to listen to me. So, propitiation, the word justification, so many, the word redeemed, so many great words that are right here, important doctrines that a lot of people in this world have no clue about. I would say there are people out there that major on the minors when it comes to the Bible. I would be concerned about what justification means. I'd be concerned about what being redeemed means. I'd worry about propitiation. I'd worry about Bible words. The core doctrines. Those are the doctrines that are important. When we get to this passage of Scripture, we get to chapter number 4, and we see that Paul starts talking about a man who is revered by all the Jews. In fact, today... Jews, Muslims, and Christians revere Abraham. And Paul uses Abraham as an example in this passage of Scripture. I want to read it with you. We're going to dive right in tonight, and we're going to be done in about 20 minutes. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. 
But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man, unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will impute sin. Father, I pray that you'd bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. I need your help. I need your strength. I pray that you'd just work over the next few minutes, guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Joe, if you could do me a favor before you do all those notes. In the closet back there, is there a clean rag back there? I need, I need it for an example, and I got here too late to grab it. And so I need, if there's a clean rag, I need to have one. And uh, that would be good. Don't get me a dirty one. Smell it and make sure it's clean. No, I'm just kidding. But if it looks all right, I'll take that. Thank you very much. All right. And so that's for a sermon illustration here in a couple of minutes. You see that Paul mentions Abraham in this passage. Abraham, as I mentioned, is a man that is revered by over half the world's population. In fact, you think about the Jews, they considered Abraham almost praiseworthy of worship. He was such a guy that they looked to. And if Paul was going to give an illustration, I don't think he could have found someone better than Abraham. Then you even see in verse number 6 there, he mentions David. He goes after two heavy hitters in this passage. And since Paul felt led to use Abraham as an example of one who lived by faith, we need to consider him as well this evening. And look at this passage. We'll look at these eight verses. And may I just tell you tonight as we look at this, we see the fact that Abraham was justified by faith. I've used the illustration before, and for sake of time, I, don't, I can't go into all of it tonight. But there are many people who would look at James chapter number 2 and be like, well, according to James chapter number 2, we are justified by our works. According to Romans chapter 4, we're justified by faith. Romans chapter 4 talks about how we are justified in God's sight. We're justified by faith. The book of James talks about how we're justified in this world's eyes. Practical Christian living. So it's completely different. And you've got to understand something tonight. In order to be justified in God's sight, we talk about justification just as if I never sinned. That's literally what justification is. That, to think that because, because I put my faith in Jesus Christ, my sin is gone. That's so wonderful. Such a blessed thing to think about tonight. But that comes through faith. If we worked our way there or anything else, we'll see in these verses tonight, we would see there would be a problem. Number one, we see tonight the rumor of Abraham's faith. The rumor of Abraham's faith. Verse number two, for if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. The Jews held Abraham up as a premier example of a man who was saved by his works. They believed that he was the epitome of, of a life that was lived right. They really looked up to Abraham. They believed that God accepted him because he earned it. 
And that is simply not the case. And Paul lays this out and lets them know that is not true. Abraham was not accepted in God's eyes because of how he lived his life. Or his good works or things of that nature. Abraham, you got to understand something. If Abraham was justified by his works, he'd be able to say, hey, everyone, look at me. Look at what I've accomplished in my life. And if this were true, we would have to respect Abraham and what he did to get favor with God. But what you've got to understand is this. If it were true that his work saved him, then he would deserve all the accolades and all the things pointed his way. That's how religion works today. There are denominations all around us this evening who one or in one way or another claim to be saved through the works that they do. Be it a Catholic. A Catholic sincerely believes you've got to go to Mass. Why do you think at a memorial a Mass takes place? Because that Mass is going to help get you to heaven. And if we were to take time and break down what all that pictures, and when we look at those things, we think about Seventh-day Adventists who don't eat certain foods and stay away from certain things because they think that will get them favor in God's eyes. That's the world, that, that's what religion is. And all of these things, if religion, or let's say good works, got us to heaven, then we would have nothing to boast in except ourselves. How would heaven be we get there? Hey, hey, how did you get there? Oh, I, did this. Oh, I did this. That's how I got here. I was a good person. And we'd go around heaven with everyone bragging and pride abounding everywhere. That doesn't sound much like heaven. That sounds like earth. Doesn't it? We all brag on everything that we do. And Paul's just stating the fact here. You notice what the Bible says here, and you got to understand in Ephesians 2, verse number 8 and 9, that we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves is the gift of God, and is not of works, lest any man should boast. Because we will boast about ourselves. Look at what I did. We all do it. And sometimes I think men are even worse with it than ladies are. You want your wife, hey, come look at what I just built. You just want her to be proud. But that's kind of how, God, remember, God looked at what he did, and he thought it was good, so that's just, you know, that's how that works all there. we got to understand something. You notice what it says at the end of verse number 2. It says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. What does that tell us right there? Paul's saying that even if this were true, and as we look at this, and Abraham was somehow justified by his works, God's not impressed. God is not impressed with anything that you and I do. Nothing impresses him about us. Our righteousness does not impress God. Our good behavior doesn't impress him. That's why sometimes as Christians, you feel like if you do this and this, you can get a closer relationship with God based on the things that you do. God's not impressed with you and I tonight. He's not. There's nothing in us that impresses God. What impresses God? Oh, we saw it this morning. Jesus saw the guy's faith. Faith impresses God, not our works. The men that had faith in him. And the Bible says, if we, the Bible says in um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, it's impossible to please God. 
It's impossible for you and I to please God. How do we please him? Faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's so important. You've got to understand something. God's not impressed. We learn that good deeds, good performance, all these things, you can put on a show. But like we looked at this morning, remember those scribes? God knew their heart. That's why you can put on a show before God. You can act like the greatest person in all the world, but God knows your heart. God knows your motive behind what you do. God knows all of those things. And as it says in this verse, for if Abraham were justified by works, he had there to glory, but not before God. God's not impressed. God doesn't look on the outside. He looks at the heart. And how important that is. God's not impressed with your works or with my works. All that touches God is our faith. And faith is the only thing that will save the human soul. And that faith is not something that we even create ourselves. One of the things I love, the song, It Is Well With My Soul, that last verse when it says, And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. It's his faith. It's not my faith. Because I'm dead. So we see that, and that's so powerful when you stop to think about that, it's his faith. And God's not impressed with our works. Faith is what impresses God. See, number two, the reality of Abraham's faith. This is great when we look at this. It's very simple. Look at verse 3. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Paul talks about the bait. It's very basic. It's very simple. Do you see that right there? Abraham was 85 years old. He was childless. And God said, you're going to have a child. And your descendants are going to be greater than the number of sand and the stars of the sky. And that sounds crazy for an 85-year-old man, right? That sounds crazy. But Abraham believed God. And the Bible says that Abraham's faith in the Lord and what he said was the basis of Abraham's righteousness. In other words, get this, because Abraham believed God, God saved him. That's salvation. That's what it comes down to. And you notice the word there, it says that he was count, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That word counted, it means to credit one's account and to treat them accordingly. Let me give you an illustration of that. If you were to go to the bank and try to write a check for an account that's well overdrawn that you have at the bank, they would treat you accordingly. However, if you went to the bank and deposited a million dollars in your account and then wrote a check, they would credit your account and treat you like a millionaire. Let's spiritually put that in perspective. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, God credits our accounts in the bank of heaven with the righteousness of Christ, and then he treats us just like he treats Christ. That's what God does. 
But if you don't open an account with the Lord, it doesn't work out very well. What does, what does Paul say in verse number 4? It says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Paul's trying to make a point. He says if we're saved by good works, then God's just paying off his debt to man when he saves a sinner. You know, imagine going to, you work at work for a week, and when you're done working, your boss comes up to you and says, I got a gift for you, here's your paycheck. Like, That's not a gift, I worked hard for that, that's mine. So God says that eternal life's a gift, and if we had to work for it, it wouldn't be a gift. Same illustration, same thought and behind verse number four right here. It's something, you think about this, if I am saved because I've earned it, then I can brag about my goodness. And it's not of God's grace, his unmerited favor, but more that I did what I needed to to get it. And verse number five goes even further, it says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. The Bible goes on to tell us that even the ungodly person who believes God by faith will be saved. Do you see that right there? The ungodly. And that's where we were before salvation. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever lose sight of it. That's why the Bible says what it does. Faith is all that will save the soul of a sinner. You see, Paul goes from the reality of talking about how we're all sinners. And then he takes the end of chapter number 3 and he gives us some wonderful words. Justification, redemption, propitiation, all these words. And now he's laying the groundwork for it all. That works have nothing to do with it. It's about faith. Abraham was justified by his faith. Now you understand, I got the, where did I put that? There it is, where did I put the rag? Now, you've got to understand, my right hand, it represents Jesus in his righteousness. My left hand tonight represents someone before they come to Christ. Now, this is how God sees me before I'm saved. He sees me in my sin. When you get saved, this is how he sees me. the imputed righteousness of Christ. He doesn't see my works. He sees Christ. That's what salvation's all about. That's where we fall apart. You see, we were on our own before, but when we get saved, it's imputed to us. We belong to Christ. When God looks at Brian Pattison, thank God he doesn't see all of Brian's sin. Oh, out here he saw all of Brian's sin. He knew it all. Oh, but Brian one day decided to put his faith and trust in Jesus. And God says, you know what? Jesus took care of it. Your sin's taken care of. What sin is that? I just see the righteousness of Christ on him. That's the reality of Abraham's faith. That's so important as we look at this. You see, there are so many people in religion today. And I even, I've heard people, I'm working so hard. I've talked to people, I'm doing my best to get to heaven. I'm working so hard to get there. You can work all you want. 
this is what it takes, faith in what Jesus gave. You can work and work and work and you'll never get there. But there's something in us that makes us think that we have to do something. But Jesus paid it all. It's his righteousness. I'm thankful for that tonight. You should be thankful for it as well. We see the reality of Abraham's faith. And then lastly tonight, we'll be done here in just a minute, the results of Abraham's faith. The results. Verse 6 through 8, it says, Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Because Abraham reacted in faith to the promise of God, there were certain things in his life that God gave him and some results of that. And Paul illustrates this here for us. And in fact, he's even willing to use David to make this point as well. And he quotes David out of Psalm 32, verse number 2. And in these verses, Paul gives us three great results that become ours when we trust Christ for salvation. And they're definitely worth noticing and talking about. The first one is this. Our sins are forgiven. We see that right there. In ver- we see it. It says, whose iniquities are forgiven. This means sent away. In a real sense, when a person receives Christ as their Savior, our sins are forever physically removed from our lives. Remember how Jesus said, this mo- we read this morning, Hey, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. They were sent away. Now, some people get caught up in that and say, Well, since my sin was sent away from me, I'm never going to deal with sin ever again. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Because you've got flesh. And there's the old man. And the old man doesn't do the things that God wants him to do. We've got to understand something tonight. Your sin's been forgiven. Hey, Christian, your past sins have been forgiven. Maybe you're sitting here and you're beating yourself up over something you did years ago. You know God's not the one who's beating you up? You were to ask God, God, do you remember when I did this? And If you're saved, you know what he says? I don't know what you're talking about. What sin are you talking about? What did you do? I've chosen to forget about it. But so many people live with guilt, and Satan brings that guilt. Not only does Satan bring that guilt, but sometimes the worst person in all of our lives is ourselves. We can't forgive ourselves. God's forgiven you. Get up. Live for him. Thank God that when we receive Christ, our sins are forever removed. And that's why the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? You have Isaiah 38, 17. Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Thank God for that tonight. Jeremiah 50, verse number 20, In those days...
days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. The sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them who I reserve. Micah 7, verse number 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Um, Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. 1 John 1, verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from, not part, not some, not many, but from all sin. Praise God tonight that our sins are forgiven. Number two, our sins are covered. Our sins are covered. We see that right here it says, and whose sins are covered. This word literally means covered so completely that they can never be uncovered. The blood of Jesus is so powerful that it covers all of our sin. Past sin, present sin, get this one, future sin. All of it is covered if your faith is in Jesus Christ. That's why I know I'm saved forever. And no man can pluck me out of the Father's hand. There's no sin I can do as a saved child of God where God says, you know what, I changed my mind. No, my sins are covered. Covered by his precious blood. And lastly, sins are not counted against you. Sins are not counted against you. The word imputed means to credit to one's account and to treat accordingly. Same word that was used in verse number 5. It means that once you trust Christ for salvation, your sins will never be credited to your account because they've been credited to his account. He became our sin on the cross. As you think about what we've talked about tonight, I need to try and piece it all together to help you get it all. And I can never give you a good enough illustration to do that. Just for a moment, think of it this way. Imagine that you owed a bank $1 million and that you agreed to repay this debt at the rate of $10 per week. It would take you a long time to pay that back, more than you could live. Then one week you go into the bank, hand over $10, and the teller checked your account and informed you that Bill Gates had been there and had paid the million dollars, and in fact, there was money left over to give to you. You'd think, wow, there's a sin debt. And you could be making payments on it for the rest of eternity. And there are people that are making payments for the rest of eternity in hell for their sin. But when you come to Christ for salvation and you put your faith and the one who can change you, the one who can make things right, all of a sudden your account's, your account's paid for. It's paid in full. And not only is it paid in full, but I'll give you the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. 
I'll give you a home in heaven. I'll give you all these different things. What a Savior we have. What a God. He is so awesome. Jesus did so much for us. And because of what he did, if you're a saved child of God tonight, you are right in the eyes of God. I hear people ask people often, are you right with God? Let me help you out tonight. If you're saved, yes. Say, but my life doesn't matter. If you're saved, you're right with God. May I just add, that doesn't give you a license to live as you please and to mess your life up and to do these. God forbid that that would be the case. But you're right with God. If you're saved, you're right with God tonight. Say, Pastor, my life's a mess right now. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what he did. So what we need to do is we need to walk as children of light. Since he did all those things, live like it. That's what we got to do. What a powerful passage. Aren't you so thankful for the Lord and all that he's done in our lives? I'm thankful, and I hope that you are. Salvation is purely a work of faith. If you're here tonight in the service or if you're watching online tonight, if you're trusting in anything other than Jesus Christ, you're wrong. I mentioned I've, this last week I went to a Catholic memorial service. The priest there, he mentioned some good stuff in part of the message. I mean, he talked about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He mentioned how we need Jesus' righteousness. And then he added these things to it on top of it. It's all Jesus, and that's salvation. If you're putting Jesus and adding things to it, you don't have salvation. Salvation is only in Christ and what he's done. And let me just implore you, if you're watching online or if you're in here in the service tonight, if you're trusting in things that you've done, your baptism, your church membership, your good works, you're wrong. And you're out here on your own. Just trust Christ. It's all taken care of. And you're covered. That's what salvation is.